When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, yeah, what do you want? Beak or jaws, feathers or fur, sharp teeth or feet with claws, whatever's preferred. They'll grant you all last requests to steady your nerves, then podcast the body parts, get severed and served. Bring your weak shit where the wolf and owler. That ain't just a mistake, that's an awful howler. Both of them are known to pull up at your shows, have the crowd witnessing the murder like they rolled in with a gang of crows. Fuck their censorship, let them see the whole thing. They stay dressed to kill, never sheep's clothing. Dark enough to turn the sun to the moon, you'll see nothing. All you hear's a huff a puff and a Expect killings, red spilling and flesh ripping Impressive in it, the death bringing his head spinning Just kidding, every word in his song's about two grown men Dressed up as a bird and a dog Welcome to the Wolf and Owl <laughs> Podcast Yeah baby, you know how it goes um, Now before we start, I want to talk about this regular power play that you do on this thing, really? Which is we all we yeah yeah we organize a time to do the podcast, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and in order in order for that to work, because I send you the Zoom link yeah. to do this, I send you the Zoom link and I send you a text as well yeah. saying, "Tom, I've emailed yeah. you the Zoom link, right?" Yeah. So we're due to start eight thirty. Just so you know, listeners, it's eight forty eight now. That's only because Tom and I had a nice little pre chat, but that wasn't all pre chat. No. Six minutes of it. Was me now? You know how low my self esteem is about my own appearance. Admittedly, I could have switched off camera, but basically, you came yeah, on. If you're just sitting there looking at blanks. You'd still see your reflection. So I'm sat here in the Zoom meeting on my own because you sort of treat the start of a Zoom meeting as a fucking loose time for you to log in whenever you feel like. Look, I'm jumping in two footed here, baby boy. Right, I texted you last night saying what to- you're jumping in two footed six minutes late is what you do. <laughs> And Cellini in it. Um, uh, yeah. I texted you last night saying what time, okay? And I was filming late. Yeah, okay. So I didn't reply. Uh, I saw this morning I got a missed call at 10. I was asleep at 10. Uh, I go to bed yeah. at half nine. Uh, I did last night anyway, just to sort of catch up on the Zs. Um, you then text me this morning to say 8.30. I had to re- I had to do some serious cancellations, bro. I was going to go boxing this morning. I had to cancel that. So... I was like, you know what? Um, this cheeky little Chester, he can wait for six minutes. He can wait. <laughs> well, is it the cheeky little Chester that I had to not record all weekend because you forgot to take your fucking laptop with you to where you're going? Okay, all right. Uh, is that is it that mate, che- is it that cheeky? What is Chester? good for the goose is good for the gans- uh, gander. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the old saying, "What is good for the goose is good for the gangster." <laughs> My G, I've got. A, I have to say, I'm still a miss. From uh, yeah, from... so so a lot of a lot of drama between the last episode. We didn't do the bonus episode because we were struggling after we the hungover, and so a lot of drama. Yeah, a lot of drama. So Tom, talk to me. You know what, Ron? Uh, number one, the semi was incredible. It was it was up there. What a what a night. What a day. That then the days that followed. I am not going to lie when I say I think that was. You know when Rocky quit boxing 
that was my moment of going, this is my last rodeo for boozing. I, I haven't got it. Really? Mate, I haven't got it in. Like, I genuinely haven't got it in the locker anymore. Sunday, mm. I was still recovering from Wednesday. Yeah. And I yeah, was yeah. like, this this, this is not something that I... Yeah. I literally... There's a there's a film, right, where it's a, uh, it's a Clint Eastwood film uh, called The uh, Unforgotten, right? And in it, uh, there's an old gunslinger who just hasn't got the minerals anymore. He just he basically yeah. gets mugged off and beaten up in the street and played by Richard Harris. That's how I felt on Sunday. I felt like you know you can't you can't you can't keep up anymore. Oh no, I was at this this event on Wednesday. Like shout out to Paddy Power, incredible event uh, put on at Flatiron Square. Amazing, brilliant. But Rom, I I was trying to keep up with. Yeah, I was on a group, a table of mates. There was a table near us of a, a great group of lads who were in their fucking 20s and early 30s. And I thought mm. I had the minerals to keep up with them. And yeah. frankly, embarrassed myself to the point of... Well, how, how did you embarrass yourself? No, just... Did you get like, did you get obnoxious drunk? Oh, no, no. I, I, I'm a happy drunk. I'm a very happy drunk. Right. You know, I'm, I'm not, no, right. no, but to, oh, to no. the point of the next day... You get very handsy, don't you? <laughs> I tried to kiss one of them. Um... Make out session as, as the rebound went in. Two guys French kissing by the screen. Um, no, but I, I it was just a day after, man. And, and, and like that added on to sort of like you know Sunday and 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 you know I think I went into Sunday with so much hope of everything. And I, I, I woke up so we're recording this on Tuesday, so I woke, woke up Monday morning, and it's a bit like when you found out the truth about Santa Claus. Mm. That's that's you know how I felt. That he's a nonce. Well, uh, yeah, actually, yeah. I mean, yeah, it probably fucking would be that <laughs> on the basis of some of the stuff that. Fucking... <laughs> no, uh, he, he does... no. Um, I, I watched. Uh, so where did you watch? The, where did you watch the final? I watched it with, uh, as I watched it with my dad, uh, my wife, and mm. my mother, which was nice. It was nice. Yeah, so, so I watched a very yeah. chill vibe actually, which was cool. I, I watched it with um, so my brother and his wife and 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 their kids came over and my mum came over and we all watched it at our house. And um, my mum was so, like, she was so desperate for England to win that when I, even when I started talking about how Italy were looking good in the second half, I was starting to get, like, anxious. You know, yeah. particularly after they scored, it started to get yeah, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, it was really terrifying. And my mum was going, shut up, shut up. Why do you keep talking about Italy like this? I said, mum, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not supporting Italy. I'm just telling you, this is what's happening. Like they, they, they're looking like they're getting into this more and more and more. She was getting so wound up. Do you know who I felt the most sorry for, man? Theo, our eldest. He was gut like heartbroken. Yeah, man. After the like heartbroken, yeah. man. Um, it was, it like, was, look, it was, it was an, it was. We will look back on this in the future with fondness. Do you know what I mean? Like it was a great night. Like having all the family around watching England in a final. Like I know it was gutting and whatever, but I still think it was a great experience. I, do you know what? Like, I think the whole the... thing up until, you know, that final, I think the whole thing, the sort of solidarity of of sort of this country coming together, the sort of, you know, me and you were at Scotland game, I was at the Germany game, you know, the, the, the feeling there of like people sort of like, after everything this country's been through and everything the world's been through, it felt like a real coming together. I, th I think what happened afterwards, would, and actually I, I sort of, because I've spoken on this podcast with you about sort of, you know, racism in the game and, and we've, we've spoken about it. And, you know, I've, I've sort of said, you know, I, you know, it's a very small part, obviously, of the fans and da-da-da-da. It's genuinely, I found it absolutely heartbreaking that that was 
some people's go-to after that. I, I even to this point feel sort of just utter sort of disgust and shame on on the sort of fact that if that is your go-to to sort of watch three young men take a penalty for this country, you know, number one, stand up and do that is an incredible feat. But if your go-to is then to to at them at social media with the most disgusting remarks or go down and, and graffiti on a sort of um, a, a painting a mural of them, then, then there's no place. It's just, I just think that, that that's, there's no place, not even just football, but humanity for that. It, it, it I felt, I don't know whether it's because of the, how amazing it felt to watch the coming together of that team. And, and we've all spoken about the diversity of them and the friendship. I think that the thing that Gareth Southgate has built there of like, it felt like no player was bigger than, there was no superstars. They were all in it together. And actually to then mm. sort of watch, watch, watch people being singled out for that. I, I felt like, you know, because the truth is, if, if Saka, Saka puts away that penalty, Rashford puts away it, Sancho, the team's won. Would they have would they have had the adulation of being the people who won that, you know, or, or what? It, it's, I don't know. I, I just felt it, it. Yeah, I felt shame, really. I felt real shame as, as an English person. It's a really difficult one because, like, as I've said to you before, like, I've had a, tr- you know, if you're a person of colour, it's it, you, you've had a troubled relationship with supporting England. That's a fact. Yeah, yeah, right? of course. Like, you know, I, can't, I can't imagine anyone that hasn't. Um, and like during this tournament, and actually I would include the last World Cup in this, right? And and maybe going in before that. I've always supported England, but it's always been tricky because of the racism. Because you see the racism and you think, actually, am I being, you know, am I being considered properly English here? Are the, are the players of colour being considered properly English here? And it's very difficult because... The whole way through this tournament and and through the last World Cup, you sort of think this is the modern face of patriotism. Do you know what I mean, you yeah. can support England, but also be inclusive. You know, and it, it, I felt everybody was feeling really positive about that. And like you said, it felt like that all the way up until the shit we saw during the final. Uh, you know, some of the people I know that went to the game have said like since t- reported back to, like. I've been chatting to some people at the game. They said it was fucking grim. Some of the stuff they yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, and then and then like and then the fallout after the game. It's difficult. You want to think, and I sort of almost have to think that that is a a very small minority of of of. of I don't know, even if you want to call them England fans, a very small minority of people. And actually, for the most part. And in the vast majority, England fans are what we want to think they are. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Which is getting behind the team. They don't see a difference. It's like whether you're black or white or whatever, you are English and you're playing for England and blah, blah, blah. You just hope that that's the case for the majority. And I do believe that's the case. But, you know, the truth is, is that social media and news being the way that it is, these things get fucking blown up. Do you know what I mean? And so, it, it, you know, you, you can see screenshots. I'm Listen, I'm not saying it's not a problem. It's a fucking huge problem. And I found it really, really upsetting. I almost don't want to give those people the fucking oxygen of publicity. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, it's so, it's such a shame that it's detracted from what's been such an amazing experience for everyone involved. You know, you think about what this country's been, well, what the world has been through, but what this country has been through, coming off the back of that, it's been such a hugely positive thing. It just fucks me off, to be honest with you. It fucks me off that race has to be involved again. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I just felt like, I felt I was feeling really positive about the whole thing. I was feeling about positive about my children' ex- experience of supporting England. I was feeling positive about my experience of supporting England. All of that, I mean, it just sort of gets fucked like that. It's just frustrating, man. It's just so frustrating. I think, it's, I, think I, I just feel very naive and stupid that I thought that, yeah, I don't know, you know, when you just think, 
Yeah. I, I, man, it's sort of. I mean, it's a somber way to begin a podcast, but I sort of no, think no, it's no, something no. needs talking about, and 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 it would be we'd be we'd be strange not to mention it. But I, I just you know, and I, th- I think on top of that as well, I think you know the sort of like negative vibe towards which is a different thing. But Gareth Southgate, and you sort of think, I don't know. I just think if you're toxically looking at, a, uh, and maybe that is just a difference of negative people having to find someone or something to blame or shout at, and just go, you know what. On the night, in the mix, maybe we just weren't good enough. But trying to just look at the positives, you know, as we say, this diverse team. But let's look at it, yeah, that Germany game. Let's look at getting to a final. How many times me and you supported England where you've not even got got that far? So it just feels that some people, and whether that's race, you know, racism, which is the most toxic version of that, I just think some people need someone to blame. And I think a lot of people, I think, put so much pressure on this England team winning which would have been an amazing event, but it wouldn't have cured the world. What was curing the world yeah. was actually the team itself and, and, and the acceptance. And actually, I think that's that's the thing that we that people need to look at. But anyway, man, deep shit over. It's, um... Oh, mate, we got so deep in this. <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what I find so... So the thing I find, and, and it might, again, it might be social media exacerbating this, is like, it's so binary, right? It's like, Gareth Southgate is great, great, great. There's articles in the Times about how all men should be like Gareth Southgate, right, yeah. up until the final. Yeah. And then the final happened, and then people like Gareth Southgate, shit, Gareth Southgate, shit. There is an in-between. You can like Gareth Southgate and disagree with some of his decisions. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't, you don't, you don't, just because if you like Gareth Southgate and you think he's a great manager, that doesn't automatically mean that you have to think that everything he does is brilliant. Do you know what I mean? You can, you can think Gareth Southgate is a great manager, but also disagree with some of his substitution does it like it, it, this whole thing about you know he did this in the final so he's, he's shit he's shit we got to the fo- look, this is my personal opinion we got to the final Italy were fucking great yeah right they, they they were a great side and you know we did we did great to get to the final Italy were amazing it is what it is do you know what I mean it's like to be honest with you and I might get some shit for this I was almost happy when we made we actually made it to penalties because I thought Italy was so in the ascendancy. Yeah. Actually, I, I thought they might put us away during like during normal play. Do you know what I mean? So the fact that we actually made it as far as we did, I thought that was an achievement in itself. And then you've got penalties now, so it's a bit more of a lottery. We've got a, ch- a shot of winning this. Do you know what I mean? Because Italy were like they they were coming into it, coming into it, and then as soon as they scored, every England fan. You're just shitting yourself after that, man, because that game was, it was like, oh, man, it was, so it was getting away from us. And you got a shout yeah. out, Jordan Pickford, man, saving two penalties. Yeah, who does that in a final? And, I know. You know, the, one of the other things that actually bothered me, unless this, what the fuck is Tom Cruise doing there? Mate, so angry. So angry. I, I don't know why, I don't know why it aggravated me so much, but Tom Cruise... Being at the final, I think it's just. I think it's just we're pissed off that we weren't there. Mate. I'm pissed I mean, off. I was at, well, at the sense of it, it, it looks fucking pretty grim. If I'm going to be honest with you, yeah, did you? Um, but it, there was a number of people there that you just think you're not really into the football. You're just there to be seen. I don't know. You know where you're just sort of like. The, the, but Tom Cruise has just embodied that. He was at Wimbledon as well. I'm like, only yeah. you literally you've had the greatest day ever. Yeah. Just whirling around. Was there the same day? Yeah, it was at Wimbledon final. Then he must have got a motorbike show. I mean, I'm speculating here. I think he probably yeah, got a motorbike taxi over to, yeah, over to Wembley. Limo bike, limo bike. Have you done one of the, Have you done one of those limo bikes before? I once tried to get on one and lost and and scared uh, and chickened out. 
What do you mean? I got on the back of it and he started going and I just tapped on his shoulder and went, no, mate, I can't do this. I freaked out massively. Okay, so limo bikes, first of all, I know this sounds absolutely wanky, uh, just for people listening. So limo bikes are, if you have to get somewhere, if you've got like two jobs on and a car isn't going to cut it because of traffic or whatever, particularly for central London, they'll stick you on a limo bike and this guy will weave, this guy or girl will weave their way through the traffic and get you there quicker. Have you done one? How um, many times have you done one? I've done them maybe like two or three times, I think. I, I'm going to say to you now, I get why you, you might have got freaked out by it. Because if, you know, bearing in mind, you and I have not got, don't regularly go on motorbikes. And these guys are specifically, specifically called in when they've got to get you somewhere quickly. Yeah. So, so auto- automatically, you're not going on a relaxed motorbike ride. You're going on like a, a motorbike ride with someone who wants to get you there ASAP, right? So, and it's the weaving in and out, like you just go along the side of buses and shit like that. And I'm constantly, this is the thing, my perception of scale or distance is completely screwed in those situations. So I spend the whole bike ride thinking my kneecaps are going to get smashed off. Yeah. You know I mean, we're mate, like, I, I held on to him. Was such like yeah. like a like a newborn would hold on to their like their mother. I literally got on and he went, oh, relax the grip a little bit. Like genuinely said that if you, you know, and he was sort of laughing a bit. Like then he's saying to me, like you know, don't put your feet down at this time. Just keep, do you know what I mean? Keep your feet, legs up. So my my legs number one of fucking the longest part of my body, significantly mm. the longest part of my body. So they're up yeah. so fucking high. So I, I'm aware I look ridiculous, but I have I'm not ego. I've done have an ego. Right, but then he says to me, "Oh, yeah, if we're going to take corners, you know, you need to make sure you 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 lift lean with me." And I'm like, "How far do I lean?" Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. if you're coming around, I'm like, I, it was just too much to think of. I I'm, yeah, I, I I'm going to tell you, there's certain things that, um, and this is really bad of me. There's certain things if I don't think I can sort of process how to do it, I just don't do so, it. So for that, for that, if he goes lean with me. I go, yeah, okay, and I just don't because I, I I don't trust myself to be able to do that. It's like they 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 have the 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 micro the the earphone in so the guy can chat yeah. to you, right? And it's like they do try and chat to you to calm you down because they know it's an unusual situation. But I it's sort of it's quite embarrassing because they want to make you as comfortable as possible. So they do that. Do they do this thing for you where they they put the blanket over your knees yeah. or whatever when you're sat on the bike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get on the thing and you are grateful for it when you're on the bike. Mm because it does keep you warm it's just that when you pull up people sort of it's such a long disembark from the bike because you have to unzip yourself or just de-blanket yourself people just looking at you like who the fuck does this guy think he is i just found the the whole thing i felt like donkey kong and you know like in mario kart where you see donkey kong and he's bigger than all the other characters so i felt like that for a start i just hated every second like well and i was probably on it for a matter of 30 seconds Mm. so where were you supposed to be going i was going from one job i was going from a gig to a panel show for it was a number of years ago like during press it was a press thing like when we we're doing press for i think it might have been gary the pilots so it was about three years ago yeah and it was you know when you've got like you know i don't know like the one show or you've got something else and you've got like and my agent was like oh they've got your limit he was really excited for me um yeah but you know when you see a kid who won't go down a water slide yeah that's how i felt that is that I don't want to do it. But the thing is, you, you had to get to this place quickly. Yeah. And they'd organise the limo bike, and you are so scared because I, 
my fear is twofold. I'd be scared to be on the bike and I'd also be too scared to say that I was too scared to be on the bike. So what I would do is I would just have like a panic attack the whole way to whenever we're getting there. But you actually showed a bit of sort of gumption in saying I can't do this, right? So so what happened? Yeah, you know, do you ever have those conversations? I have it on golf sometimes, but you know, like you have that conversation in your own head and you're like, this isn't worth it, mate, because if... Yeah, fine. If you pull out of it, that's fine. That's fine. But what would be worse is that they go on the one show and like fucking Alexander Scott's like, oh, sad news. Tom Davis was meant to be here today, but he, he crashed on the way over here on a motorbike limo. Yeah. Like, I'd be you know, absolutely- do you know what I loved about you know what I loved about that is is that you did an impression of Alex Jones. You called her Alex Scott, but you didn't even call her Alex <laughs> Scott. You called her Alexander Scott. I mean, it's like <laughs> inception of name fuck ups. I was so freaked out thinking about the bike. So it was Alex Jones and that, yeah. But I was, yeah. So, so, you, so you, put, you said, I can't do it. And then what did he say? I said, I can't do it. He said, you know, sure. And he was really sweet. He was, yeah. and credit to him, because he was a very sweet, sweet, sweet man. And, you know, I sort of said, look, mate, I'll make sure you still get paid and stuff. Yeah. Like, it's my fault. Um, I just can't do this. I just can't do this. I'll, yeah. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll jump on the tube or I'll, whatever. So what did you do? How did you get there? I did just jump on the tube in the end. And then they just put me on later in the show. Well, there you go. It, it was, worked out. See, see, guys. Well, no, less, I was sweating, less... and if you go back, if that version of if the, if it's on, uh, that is anywhere. I, I look like a, a man who's been on the tube after fucking chickening out of being on a motorbike, mate. So, so uh, you know, every now and again, you do things like that where ha- what's happened to you in the run up to the thing has an effect. So, yeah. I did. I did a few years ago. I did the alternative election show on Channel Four, right? And I was yeah. one of one of the people on that. And that went on late to the night. And then the next day, I was in the Have I Got News For You election special, right? And they had right. to record that because they wanted to go out like the next day. They were recording that at nine o'clock in the morning, right? So I, right. I finished at the alternative election thing at 3 a.m., right? Got back to the right. hotel for four. I got picked up at seven, right, to go to do this thing, right? So I was sat in the Have I Got News For You studios, like in the dressing room, like fucked, like really yeah. tired. And freaking out a bit because I'm thinking it's not about being tired here. I might about to be shit. I might be about to be shit. Yeah, about yeah, to, yeah. How the fuck do you say this? I might be about to be shit. Is that right? On, yeah, on I how might be I'm, about to be shit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's really simple. I don't know why I complicate it like that. So um, on, on Have I Got News? So I was like freaking out. So I thought I need to wake myself up here. My go-to in this situation is Red Bull, right? So Oof. I had a Red Bull, right? And waited for a little bit and I didn't feel anything didn't touch the sides wake up wise right I was still exhausted I had a second Red Bull right waited still nothing I I don't know what the fuck I was thinking just before I walk onto set I have a third Red Bull what in the space of about an hour right like I was just desperate to sort of kickstart myself into action right your bowels must have been like what is he doing to us My, my shit glowed in the dark after that yeah, right but Christ. what i would say is i don't think there's ever been a more hyper guest on, on i don't think there's ever been a thirstier grabbier appearance on have i got news for you than me that day i came off thinking i'd <laughs> thinking i'd had a fucking great one <laughs> i watched it back I look like oh. I'm in a fucking episode. Just what? What would you say? No, what, 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 the, hell, what the hell is Ed Ball's doing? Because he, 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 he lost that, didn't he? He lost that. 
he lost that, didn't he? What, what, what's going on with it? Oh, mate, it was so bad. I thought, mate, you look like you're, you look like you're having a fucking breakdown in this clip. I can't even imagine what you must have been like at that time. Oh. You know what you should have done? Had an espresso, one espresso, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and done like 25 press-ups. You, you know what I should have done? I should have not done two shows too close to so close yeah, to each yeah. other. I mean, that's the truth of it. Yeah. But yeah, that 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 it, it's a horrible feeling. The other thing I would say to you, just off the back of you talking about um, it just reminded me talking about being tired or whatever. You know, doing a couple of weeks of boozing or whatever, as you've been doing during these during the yeah. Euros. One of the things that I find is when I think I've conquered my demons, like the the inner prick or whatever, the, oh, the mate, going dark, don't even. I, I've realised that the only way that I have that in control is if I'm eating well, if I'm exercising, if I'm staying hydrated, if I'm sleeping well, if I'm doing all of those things I'm supposed to be doing, I've got it. As soon as I let those things go, the fucking, I, my head goes so dark, man. I mean, you and I have texted each other where we, like, you know, you let one of those things slip, um, mate, you let the devil in. Do you know what I mean? It's so bad, man. I've let them all slip, like all of them. And that's why I sort of like, you know, and I'd openly say now, I've, I fucking struggle, man. Like really struggle. If I'm not, again, like you, if I'm not hydrated, if I'm not trained. And you know what? Going into the Euros, yeah, much like an athlete, I was actually You're ready for the tournament. So, you're ready for the tournament. I was ready for the tournament. I was fucking yeah. eating well. I was drinking well. I was sleeping. Yeah. You know, I, I've, I've found myself, and don't get me wrong, like, you know, fucking two days time and of training and fucking drinking and eating right i feel a lot better but man it's it's that you know it's not even like the drinking is one bit right and then the food i ate on thursday mm. like like you know everything was just greasy and it's sort of I, I sort of tried to convince myself that i was actually uh like i was warming up for sunday and then came to sunday i couldn't even make the match squad if i'm honest with you mm. in alcohol wise and i've been here before I I had to stop drinking for a year because of my liver. What? Because your liver? Yeah. I just stopped my drinking liver. for eight months because of embarrassment, as you know. But yeah, why for yeah, your liver? Yeah. I went to the doctors, right? And I was, yeah. Yeah, I was feeling really... It's like I couldn't recover from the hangover I had. Like, I literally just felt like... I was like, you know... And they uh, took some bloods and then they can judge your, how high your liver enzymes are. Right. And my, my liver enzymes were that of like a 60-year-old man who likes to drink all the time, basically. The, the doctor was like, you need to knock this on the head, otherwise you're looking at, you know, pretty fucking ropey future. Uh, so I, I didn't drink for like a year. And, and probably one of the best years of my life. Yeah. Professionally, you know, because also I, I feel bad because Thursday wasn't a matter of me and you working. We both sat this podcast off because we were so hungover. I know, I know. When that know. starts, in, yeah. It's, it's yeah, and I like I like being drunk. I'm a good drunk. I'm do you know, do you really know bad. It's, weird, it's weird, isn't it? Like, so with the drinking, so when I gave up drinking for eight months, I would say I had a great eight months in terms of being on top of things. And, and I'm not even a big drinker. Like, I'm not really. But, like, you know, in terms of days not being written off, like, I remember, like, a mate coming over from Dubai and me going to meet up with him and I'd work the next day. And ordinarily, I'd be worried about that because I think we're going to get smashed and then I'm going to ruin my next yeah. day's work. I knew that wasn't going to happen because I wasn't going to drink. You know, so I knew I'd be all right for the next day. The one thing I would say is it really does make you a social pariah. Like, like in terms oh, yeah, of, yeah. there's something about telling people, if you've not got a dark reason for why you've yeah. stopped drinking in this country, the shit yeah. you get 
from like even close friends about not drinking is insane, man. Well, you know, the other, the the trouble I found was you feel the need to tell everyone that you're not drinking. Yeah. And also, I'm already a vegan, so I've got that to offload on people as soon as I arrive. And then on top of that, not drinking. But but the reason you do that, Tom, just to give non-drinkers a bit of like credit here, is because otherwise you then have to wait till somebody's getting around or somebody's going to the bar and then you've got to then explain it while people are waiting for a drink. I, I don't know, you, you sort of want, you almost want to get it out of the way so that that is dealt with. Do you know what I mean? That you don't have to talk yeah. about it again for the rest of the evening. But like... I, I found myself being the... Because also, so what I, I didn't drink, but then what I did was I just trained a lot and I did like... I sort of tried to find other stuff, but then I found myself at parties becoming that guy sort of sitting next to someone being like, yeah, no, 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 I'm not really drinking. I'm giving up drinking. I said, no, no, actually benched this morning, uh, benched like 140, 150. So I feel really good about myself. And so I could see people thinking, I thought he was going to be a real laugh. Yeah. And, and usually most times I would be the guy jumping on the guy to go, what's that mate? Yeah. Yeah. I'll be bench pressing life. And then everyone yeah. would laugh. You know what I mean? But yeah. Yeah. So the sad truth of it is when you're teetotal and trying to bet yourself, people don't like you. But if you're drinking yourself to destruction to the point where your mental health is fragile as a poppadom, that's when you can be popular. <laughs> fragile as a poppadom. You know, I ate on Saturday, I ate some poppadoms that were four days old. Oh, that, that, is, is, that, is one of, that might be one of the bleakest things you've ever told me. Poppadoms, famously like... expensive to get hold of. <laughs> That was so fucking like rubbery. Like, I don't, know. I don't mind rubbery. I don't mind stale poppadoms though. They've still got a quality. Poppadoms are just... poppadoms are one of the greatest inventions ever made by human man. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, or woman. The, the number of times I've arrived at an Indian restaurant, overdone it on the poppadom order, and then by the time the food's arrived, I, thought, I don't even fucking. Uh, let me just jump in here actually, because I've just sort of saying that's enraged me to a point that I actually just feel like crying. Um, have you been to one of these new fucking? Like uh, Indian. Uh, are, you about to, are you about to talk about cone poppadoms? I'm talking, yeah, about, about the little box they bring. Yeah, and it's like mate, got fucking like they've got like fucking all these different fucking poppadoms and and like yeah, you know, an assortment of poppadoms. I'm not. I yeah. This is a real travesty. This is an awful thing. Poppadoms are genuinely like I would go to an Indian restaurant and just say fourteen poppadoms, please, and and the condiments that come with them, and I'd happily sit there with a pint, well, pint of cobra or a pint of coke now. And I'd just sit there, eat there, and just watch the world go by and feel absolutely content. It's one of the saddest things I've ever heard. Just you on your own with a pint of Coke, working your way through 14 poppadoms and a bucket of lime pickle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, just going into the Indian restaurant. Oh, he's in again. Usual, sir? Yeah. Yeah, we'll see Bob and Dr. Zippers today. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah. Are you still not drinking? Pint of Coke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the waiter just looking at another waiter and going, he really used to be someone. Yeah. He used to be great. He used to, yeah. come, he's, in he's to come in here. He used to come in with his wife and have an actual meal. <laughs> he used to come in on a Friday night. He'd order the spiciest curry every week, even though he couldn't eat it. Five pints of Cobra. God. And he starts singing Sweet Caroline. Uh, now look at him. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't mind. Um, you know when they do the different sort of spices of poppadom, you can get these sort of peppery ones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, like no, no, I like all that. Yeah. I like all that. But I, I want the poppadom to be flat and massive. Yeah, 100%. I want it to be the size of my face. Yeah, but this, um, I want to be able to hold it up, 
so no one could see my face and then pull it down. Mm. Do you know what? Do you know what's so pathetic about that? That sounds like something you would do to, with poor Catherine. <laughs> Just Catherine sitting there with you, thinking she'd have a, a little romantic meal with her husband. Hold on, let me do the face check. <laughs> no, darling, I can't enjoy these poppadoms until I know they're the proper size. I can peer over this one. <laughs> this doesn't even cover my nose. <laughs> But yeah, I I've had that with a little that the, they they come in like spirals like like ice cream cone ones yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. I yeah. mean, don't, don't get me wrong, still enjoy them. But the the problem is, is that you can't get the same purchase on a sort of a heavy amount of chutney with those. You know, like no. no. Also, I, I like I like to eat too many poppadoms, so the rest of the meal it's it's not, you know it's a chance I won't eat my starters, my mm. main or my mains. Mm. Mm. I like to really gouge gouge on them, gorge on them, gouge on them, gorge on them. You gouge. On them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the most amount of poppadoms you've eaten in one sitting? Probably four. Four, is that all? <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't, I don't... What's the most you've eaten in a sitting? I reckon at least eight or nine. Eight or nine? And then have you gone on to yeah. eat a full meal after that? No, I'll have them for, I'll probably have four or five, and then throughout the meal, I'll just keep eating them. Okay. I, 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 could, I could see myself having done that, yeah. It'd be quite fun to just sit down and just do that together. I'd love that. I would love that. Um, do you know what? Do you know what I like doing? Um, is is um, not I like doing. I end up doing is whenever they every now and again they'll come over and go. Can I take the chutneys away? I wish I hadn't done that accent. Can I take the chutneys away? And then you go, no, they stay here like a crack addict. <laughs> do you see? I've made everyone. I, yeah, I I because I love I I love. I mean, mango chutney is one of my favorite. A little bit of lime pickle thrown to the mix. Mm. Mm. Oh man! I don't, I'm not a fan of that chopped up onion thing. I've got to be honest. No, I hate that. I feel I sometimes feel like going into the kitchen and just saying that guys, no one likes that. Yeah, like you're, you're just onion. wasting. You're just wasting knife yeah. skills there, guys. Like, yeah, and wasting onions. Yeah, like, you know, because actually, you just put them in a barge, mate. You got one of the best dishes ever given to man. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Tom. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they would appreciate that feedback. <laughs> I don't, no. I, I don't know anybody that does like that tomato, that oniony no. thing. If anybody does, it's like the salad that it's the salad that comes with the uh, the some of the meat dishes as well. I can't mm. stand. You mean the little little when you get the takeaway, the little sort of plastic, you get, you, you little get a plastic, plastic bag, bag of salad. salad. Does anyone yeah, eat yeah. that? I'd love to know. Email into the wolfhourpod at gmail.com if you if you actually eat that salad. I've even said to the guy who runs my my local takeaway, I say, look, mate, don't worry about that little bag of salad, but he still puts it in. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, that's pretty sad, isn't it? What do you think that? What do you think that says about what he thinks of you? <laughs> <laughs> I really feel he needs more salad. <laughs> oh, mate, you've made me really feel like having an Indian now. It's only twenty past nine. Yeah, no, um, I, I was going to try and have a week without him, but... Oh, mate, have I told you the story about when I went to the cricket? No. So I went to watch England-Sri Lanka the other day, and um, we, like, the whole day, cricket, a day at the cricket, I'm going to take you one day. You're not really a cricket fan, are you? I actually got invited to go because someone else had dropped out the the one you went to. Oh, right, yeah. Well, look, next, can, I, can we go to the cricket, please? Oh, mate, I'd love that. I'd love that. So so we I went with, uh, with Friction, uh, Ed, my yeah. mate, um, and um, we we went and spent the whole day drinking, and then at the end of the yeah. day, we got we got the we got a car back from uh, from the Oval to home, and I phoned an Indian restaurant. We were, we left the ground at about nine. We were due to get yeah. get back to sort of Crawley about quarter past. I phoned this Indian restaurant, and I said, uh, "Guys, listen, do me a massive favour. Can you please uh, stay open? Like, what time are you going to close?" And they said we normally take last order at um, 
at 10 o'clock. I said, we're going to be there at quarter past. Can you please stay open? And they did. And they waited for us. We were the only ones in there. And mate, I, I don't know what it is about a surprise curry or just sort of curry in those circumstances. It just, it felt like paradise. I, I don't know how else yeah, to describe man. it, man. It was just an amazing experience. I, I ate so quickly that I burnt my mouth on the chickpea. Like I actually sort of had like skin That's the, off. that's like, you, you made actually that like eating chickpeas sound pretty hard then and tough. <laughs> yeah. I ate so quick, I burnt my mouth on the chickpeas, yeah. <laughs> Like prison slang. Oh, God. Hey, hey, watch out for that guy over there. You see him eating chickpeas. It's like he eats them so hot, he burns his mouth every yeah, day. He doesn't, he doesn't even wait for them to cool down to be a consumable temperature. <laughs> He's a fucking lunatic. That's one fucking hard vegan. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, it was amazing. It was absolutely incredible. Beautiful thing, man. A beautiful thing. So, um, how are you feeling at the moment, Tommy? You, you, you feeling like? I'm, I'm feeling. I'm have you feeling recovered? Comfy. Have you recovered from yeah. all that drama? I feel like this has been the this has been the this has been the medicine I needed. Just chatting to you, my dude. Mm. It feels um, like a long time since we've spoken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, it, it does. Too long, almost. Mm. Maybe that's the thing that I need you more in my life. Like I, I could deal with those little dolls that you press its tummy and it sort of says one of your sort of catchphrase, "Take it to the max" or sort of saying like that. I will actually. Do you know what? I might get you a a, a builder bear with my voice inside it as a little present. Oh, well, why don't we do them for each other? We should go to build a bear together. Mm, how do you think that would look? <laughs> I think it would look quite cool. With it, yeah. Hello, um, yeah. We're we're adult men in our forties, and we would like you to make two bears that have got each other's voices in, please. Don't call the police. <laughs> no, but you know what. That's this is a difference. You look at it in this sort of cynical way, like the people working there. I look at it that they would go, those two are really, really close. I don't, I'm not, I, I'm not, um, I don't, it's not the issue of us looking close, it's the thing. It's just two adult men going into a Builder Bear who don't have yeah, children but, with them. Right. What you do is you walk in, right? And you say, hey, how are you doing? You're right. Uh, I bet this has never happened before. Okay. Okay. Talk, First of all, is, can I, let me just stop you there. You don't talk in in this in this thing. You don't talk. If anything, you come up with some sort of actual thing. You just go, "Hello, guys." Um, just so you know, uh, yeah, the two of us have had our families uh, kidnapped, and they're they're currently in a basement somewhere. And we've been told that they won't be released until we each have a bear made with each other's voices in. So, could you please? This is that you've gone so dark there. I would walk in and go like that. Hey. Whenever I feel down, I put my arm around you and go, this guy brings me up and makes me feel happy about myself. So I want to bear with his bloody voice in that looks a little bit like him, please. Mm. And then I go and find a, a bear with one smashed eye. <laughs> and no ass. You know, I, I would put it in board shorts. Um, <laughs> and a little Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, right, should we do some emails, Tommy? Let's do it, brother. Uh, once again, shout out to the Swan. Uh, for selecting How is the Swan? How did the Swan find the football? Was she, you know? Well, I felt a bit sorry for her, actually, because I know this is slightly controversial, but we got like we got the pizza van to come and do the pizzas on our driveway again. And oh, okay. um, the guy got, because he was so busy that night, 
he wasn't able to arrive until after kickoff. I mean, right. nobody apart from the Swan was willing to go out and do the pizza admin. So the poor girl. Oh, jeez. She missed the goal. No, she didn't miss the goal. She was there for the goal. Um, she right. was, uh, what did she say? She's a newly, she's a big fan of Jack Grealish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As in sexually. Yeah. It's Catherine has, Catherine's really, she's got really into the football as well. Mm. Yeah. That's sort of but, uh, you know, lucky for me. Her, her favourite player, I think, is Declan Rice um, or Harry Kane, which mm. is sort of what, you know, that's who I'd probably be in that team. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're like twins. But um, <laughs> my, my issue is, is that Lisa really likes Jack Grealish. Like, really likes Jack Grealish. And, and he is a man that has an incredible ass, right? Like He has incredible legs. Yeah, just everything everything about that. that I mean, he, that, yeah. the guy's fit, but that bottom section is like a work of art. And I have the opposite of that. Like, like my, the bottom, in fact, the whole of my body, if I was an action figure, it would be returned to sort of be, it, it wouldn't be suitable for retail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean, it's just like, has there been some sort of issue with the mould or something? Like, look, he's got absolutely no ass. At all, why does his why is his stomach look like it's melted over his waistline? <laughs> no, you're gonna have to send this back, guys. Um, Jack Greenish looks like the sort of boy who kissed everyone else's girlfriend. Oh, I bet he did. I bet, he did. and he'd yeah. be grateful for it. Oh you, yeah, you, but he, when, yeah. When your girlfriend came back to you, you'd go, "What was he like? Was he like yeah. really? <laughs> what, what sort of stuff is he into?" Well, he, he was a great kisser because he went to France last year on a football trip. Yeah. He just uses just the right amount of tongue. He's not all thirsty and greedy. It makes me feel like I'm gonna be sick like you are. <laughs> all spitty just, all, just so much tongue Why the best you, thing you, I can say about to... kissing you kissing you is afterwards I always feel really hydrated yeah. <laughs> it's like trying to swallow an eel <laughs> um, okay can I do, I just, I'm slightly self-conscious about the fact that I've talked a couple of times now about the swan and I, I, I feel like I, I give the impression that the swan is put upon a little bit. You know, nobody else is willing to do the pizza admin. She she lost the thing. I, I, can I just say, the swan gives as good as she gets. Right? And she's a wonderful person. I love her very much. And I'm very grateful for everything she does. Okay, I just want to clarify that. I got slightly worried. Well, that's, that's very kind of you. Okay. Can I start by saying, this is from uh, Anonymous. Okay. Uh, can I start by saying how much I love the podcast? So listening to you has brought me so much laughter. Listening to Ron pull Tom to pieces in true mate fashion uh, after saying something wrong or misusing a word. Well, thank you so much. I work nights and I found your podcast late. So I've been smashing up to six episodes a night. Wow, cheap. Like the man who was laughing at the traffic lights, if someone walks around the corner at the wrong time, they often think I'm laughing at them, but I'm lucky enough to explain I'm listening to a pair of wallies on a podcast. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm, not sure about that. Because I've listened to so many episodes in such a small space of time, there's so much I could comment on and ask you about, from stopping talking to mates, it was always having me having to contact them, to using alcohol as a defence mechanism for being quite shy, but not being able to tell people that this is like, that I can come as I can come across quite confident, bordering and arrogant, but that's a shyness. What I do want to talk about is something that features heavily, and it's a nickname I've earned from colleagues. Do you know what? This has slightly worried me about this. Is I've actually just talked about this. And now this guy's asking about this. And now I'm slightly worried that we're a bit one-dimensional. Anyway, I'll carry on. Um, and that's, I'm, I'm, I'm an oddly shaped man. I'm six foot five and 18 stone and very top heavy. I've really skinny legs and no bum. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Uh, yeah, one, three of us in that club now. One old mate used to call me an orange on a toothpick. 
I don't really mind as it's from people I call mates, but I'd never take it as them being nasty, just banter. But sometimes it would be nice to be normal shaped. So do I embrace the name or say something to work colleagues? Sorry for the length brackets. That's what she said. I have so much to talk about. I see myself as... Um, I see myself as a bear, but my wife calls me the sloth. Thanks for reading. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, that that nickname is... Uh... Anyway... Um, it's quite a to... mouthful for a nickname, isn't it? The orange on two... No, yeah, that is, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This... Uh, or like it. Uh, look, man, I've been where you are. Uh, when I played for a Sunday league football team, my nickname was Gabriel Fattest Shooter. Uh, I've literally had all kinds of names like this. And like Romesh, I, you know, and yourself, I do have the uh, the small legs, uh, upper, big upper. I have a massive stomach. That's my problem. It's a massive stomach. It doesn't seem to go anywhere. If it, And weirdly, the more I train, the more weight seems to come off my butt and my bloody legs and my, and my arms, but not off my gut, which is slightly concerning. I, but I, do you know what? I think I do think when it comes to stuff like this, if, if stuff is, you know, I can see a lot in what you're saying in, in myself and, and probably Ramesh, both of us use this as a we use We use this podcast and we joke about it, but those things sometimes cut quite deep. Um, and, you know, they, they can, you know, I've, the amount of times I was wearing, I felt really good actually the other week when I went out. I went out to uh, the football actually and I was wearing uh, a, really, a jumper that I loved. I thought I looked really good in this. Mm. And uh, one of my mates opening gambits was like, didn't they do that in your size? I thought it fitted really nicely. And I yeah. spent the whole uh, whole evening then just pulling it down and just feeling very conscious about it. And I didn't bring him to task. I didn't walk away and go, you know what? You've made me feel absolutely shit about how I look. I just sort of like laughed along uh, and sort of made a joke about the fact he didn't even do it in my size and like this was, yeah, whatever. But it, it, yeah, it hurt my feelings. I, I felt pretty fucking, you know, because I think as a guy, if you, you feel like you look good and that kind of thing gets said, it can cut deep. Uh, but then also you're on the flip side of turning around to someone and saying, you know what, mate, I feel like absolute shit that you've said that to me because that could then ruin their evening. And then they could like, you know, they, they probably, he didn't mean it with any, you know, he didn't mean it to really hurt my feelings. It was a bit of laddie banter. And I think in his head, he just thought, oh, he'll laugh that off because he always feels that he has a joke about things. Mm. But the truth of the matter is, you know, I, you know, I, I was hurt by it. So I think it's then difficult to be that guy to sort of turn around and go, excuse me, mate, can you not joke about stuff like that? Because I've, and I'm doing that voice because that's exactly, you know, how I feel that I'd sound if I did that. And I just, uh, so it's a difficult one. It's a hard one to give advice because if I'm honest with you, I really, I don't know how to deal with that. Uh, you know, because I still, I still suck it up and, and just get on with it because I guess I want people to like me. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh god um yeah well I, I i i as usual agree with uh with everything tom said there um i i just think that um it just doesn't matter you know some, somebody has a nickname you know, it's got as much power as you allow it to have and look i know it's difficult when you're a bloke who feels self-conscious when you're anyone you feel self-conscious about their appearance. And then somebody says something that confirms the hang-up that you thought that you had and hoped maybe that you were the only one that had noticed. It's a horrific thing. Um, 
I would equally say, though, the other day I was on, well, yesterday I was doing league. Freddie Flintoff, who is like one of my heroes and has since become a friend, uh, told me I looked good yesterday. The, the the boost it gave to my self-esteem, I was almost embarrassed about. <laughs> it's so tragic. I was mate, so, mate, I had like a proper spring in my step. Oh, Freddie said I look good today. Oh, that is. Mate, it, yeah. Freddie, by the way, is incredible for that. He's so sweet for that. He's a lovely yeah. man. Lovely man. Yeah. Love him to bits. Ready for another email, my G? Yes, do it, baby boy. Um, this is from Joey B. Wow. I'll skip detailing my admiration. Well, as soon, just quickly, as soon as you say the name Joey B, I'm just thinking of a guy in a sort of like denim waistcoat, sort of cut down, you know, denim jacket with no arms on it, just sort of sitting back, fucking just chilled out. Well, I think it's a bit unfair to assume that he's a bellend. <laughs> but, um, so, Joey B says... <laughs> I'll skip detailing my admiration for you both, but trust me, it's there. Yes, Joey. Okay. Uh, I'm a proud glasses wearer, and I've been thinking about upping my third and fourth eye game. You two have always got such amazing frame choices, uh, and I wonder where you got them from. Uh, in particular, I'm keen to find out where Rom got his aviator-style frames. I've been seeing him wearing on Rob and Rom Versus. Um, I thought I'd also share the following last night. I had a dream that Tom and I directed a lesser-known Shakespearean play. After disappointing initial rehearsals, we decided to modernise the play, language and all. This somehow caused all the actors to constantly get it on, like all the time, no matter how politely Tom and I asked them to stop. This is so much we could no longer reverse and we can the play. Uh, as you can imagine, I'm, not, I'm choosing not to think about the meaning of the dream too much. Love, Joey B. Joey B, um, you are a legend, my friend. What a guy. What a guy. Uh, I just want to high-five you and just... What, once again, once again... Based on what is Joey B an absolute? Legend? <laughs> I just know, man. I just fucking anyone who's got the absolute fucking like nafs to call himself Joey B on a fucking email. I'm like, I just like this guy a lot. I like what he stands for. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, let's deal with the simple bit first. Glasses wise, uh, wise. Uh, Before you carry on, can I? I just want to interrupt you a second. I thank you very much, Joey B, for what you said. Tom and I, as glasses wearers, don't deserve to be mentioned in the same sentence. Okay. Tom Davis and his glasses game is a, a, I'm in I'm not even in the same league as that geezer. You are next level, bro. Can no, I tell you that? No, I just no, want to tell you. It's, it's a very much a it's a very much a sweet sweet run between the two of us. There's times where I look at your glasses and I'm like, wow, this guy's just fucking. Uh, you know what? I feel like we're a little bit like two yeah. rappers from different sides of the 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 line. You know, like you know, east west coast kind of vibe. Sure. And like every time you unleash a new pair of glasses i am like wowzers wowzers monsieur touch trouser i like the look of them and then i try and outdo you and you try and outdo me until one of us is... i'm not i'm not trying to outdo you i i look at you your glasses sometimes i'm like wow he has just stepped this up to another level like you know if a way i'm two packing you're elton john and you're like <laughs> you're like basically like you're two pack and i'm elton john <laughs> you know john's like a glasses wearer isn't he yeah right. two pack it isn't. Yeah, no, but Tupac's like a cool guy, but he's got like a bald head, obviously, right? How, how come you get, no disrespect to Elton John, obviously, how the fuck are you Tupac? No, because like in the way I look, in the way you, you look, like your vibe is very like, I'd be like, no. Well, I, do you know what? I think that's fair. I look about as much as like Elton John as you look like Tupac. So yeah, okay. <laughs> no, but then I'm looking at you going, he's done what? He's, he's like fucking released this kind of album. 
And then I'm like trying to fucking release my version or a No, I remember version. that. I remember that because Tupac always said that Machiavelli was inspired by I'm Still Standing. They actually collabed together a couple of times. Yeah, they did. Too. They're actually quite good friends, I think. Mm, Which is again like me and you. So it's sort of, yeah. Um, the Shakespeare dream, I uh, I hate Shakespeare. I, I, I can't, I, 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 he just really aggravates me. I think he's the most overrated. Why? I think he's the most overrated person in the arts ever, maybe. Ever? You know, he wrote 3,000 plays, right? So he writes 3,000 plays. Out of them, what, eight of them are any good? If anyone wrote 3,000 plays, eight of them would be decent, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's the I approach think... I take to hosting things. <laughs> and you know, he was a bully as well, and he was also... Uh, he was also he made what are lot. you basing this on? Have you? It is, are you like? I did my drunk history. Properly on, on I did my drunk history on Shakespeare. Okay. So uh, yeah. So uh, a, a, this comes from a producer of drunk history, then basically. <laughs> no, he also I did a little bit of research. Okay. You I researched did, when you did drunk history. I did a little digging around, so I'd have a little vibe to it. And I found out that he actually was, you know, he was a very rich landowner who basically used to really like pull people's pants down for their rent. So that's how he made all his money, so he could sit around writing play after play. And then he'd pay people to say that they were good. And that's now still people tell me, oh, yeah, they're really good, because that sort of has bled down from generation to generation. Okay. I mean, look, you, you, I, I, I trust you uh, implicitly, and I, I love you. Whether I'm going to now take that to be my opinion on Shakespeare based on what feels to be, if you don't mind me saying, quite a half assed research project that you've put together before doing drunk history. Um, I don't know. What I would say is that I do not understand why, I, I, and I'm saying this from a position of ignorance, I don't understand to this day why Shakespeare's revered in the way that he's Mate, revered. you know what? If, if somebody could explain it to me, and I know that's quite arrogant, it has to be explained to me, and maybe I should look into it a bit more and do my own research rather than ask you to email in, which I am doing. Please email into thewolfowlpod at gmail.com. I don't fucking get it. I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand. Do you, so, do you know the thing that frustrates me is everyone goes, oh, Shakespeare this and Shakespeare. Let me tell you something, right? Like, yeah, he he was decent back in the day, right? But shit's moved on. Life has moved on. It's basically like if you turn around now and look to the first car that was ever, ever invented, right? You go, oh, yeah, that was actually pretty amazing for its time. Someone invented a car and it drove about a bit, right? You wouldn't fucking yeah. drive around in it now, though, would you? You'd look frankly yeah. ridiculous. You wouldn't, have, you wouldn't force people to study it in GCSE English. <laughs> no. Even though they're... <laughs> Making them hate every minute and of also, their time with and it. And that actually, you know what? Whenever I see someone driving around in an old car like that, I think, all right, mate, show off. You think you're cool, no one else does. Oh, the number of times I've seen somebody driving around in the first ever car. <laughs> no. uh, it's, it's one of the things I get no, most annoyed no, you, about. Like, look, sometimes you'll be out and about in London or whatever, or you'll be knocking around, and there'll be someone in a really old, you know, like one of those cars where they sit on top of it, hasn't got a roof, and they'll be driving around and sort of like they'll look very like up themselves. And you sort of go, all right, yeah, I get it. You, you fucking think that you've broken the fucking egg or whatever. Or you've like... What? Fucking... <laughs> what? <laughs> like you've broken the atom is what I meant, right? I've <laughs> right. always got like... They've always got like a pipe, and like fingerless gloves, and they're sort of like their wife sitting there, like she's just about fucking like, 
just about still with it. it it's just, you know what I mean? They're the people where I just go, oh, like, yeah, but they're doing that. Are they normally doing that as part of like some sort of, they don't do that, do they? That's, they not, do, like, not, that's they, not how they travel. That's not how they travel to the I'd shops. I'd say without any shadow of a doubt, I've seen that happen. Without, without any shadow, without any shadow of a doubt, well, I've seen it about three to four times a year, or for every year of my life, I've seen that, where someone's just doing that around town, and so everyone goes, well, "Oh my go, god, look at old car!" Te- and I'm like, "Yeah, look at the traffic behind it." So hold on, because they do this, uh, they do this London to Brighton thing where all these old cars like that sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. um, you you hate that, dear. London to Brighton, I've got yeah, yeah. I mean, if I was trying to go down to Brighton for the day, because it was a nice day, I was going to the beach. Okay. I'd actually be seething. You just, I'd just beep and say, "Come on, mate." Yeah, okay. All right. It feels like a weird thing to get angry, angry about, but all right. Um, so there you go. Uh, so, in answer to your question about the dream, there, uh, Tom really fucking hates old cars. Um, all right. So <laughs> next up, this is from. Sean Horgan. Sean Horgan. Uh, all right, fellas, how's it going? Uh, in your last episode, Tom mentioned his ADHD. I've recently been diagnosed at the age of 31. I've been doing stand-up for the last two years, or a year if you don't include COVID times, and sometimes I really struggle to sit down and write material. Tom, have you got any fe- tips yeah. for a fellow sufferer of ADHD? I hope you both will, and by the time this finds you, we should have beaten the Danes and be on our way to the final. Okay, well, that sort of dates the email slightly. Um, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh god um, um yeah uh so i used to agonize yow yow now I first to... of all first of all can i just say you're an incredible human being hogman uh the hogmaster um uh i used to agonizely try and write stand up a lot uh, actually a uh, big shout out to ramesh ranganathan of uh how i now deal with it is a different vibe because he, I used to sort of try and write everything down like as tight as I could, and then I'd go on stage and pretty much do something completely different. Um, but then I, I, for about a week before any, the smallest of gigs, I'd sit there feeling sick, trying to sort of come up with exactly what I was going to say on stage. And, you know, uh, Romish gave me some sweet, sweet advice, which was to sort of like have a vibe of what you're going to talk about uh, and, you know, back yourself to be funny with it so obviously you want to know your jokes go through them in your head i mean I've, we've done quite a few gigs now ron where mm. you've gone through my set with me which i i realize is very a sweet sweet thing that you've done oh, no, too. it's a lovely thing it's the first time yeah, you've sort yeah. of bothered to fucking acknowledge no it, no, so. no no I, I, it means a lot because i know that you're doing it so it's in my head when i go on stage and it's like you know i often see myself as goose to your maverick um and yeah it it, it means it means a lot when i'm like yeah oh, this guy's got me you know if we're fucking up against any battle, this guy's got me. And in those moments, uh, yeah. That, and I think actually it significantly raised my game as as a stand-up. When I go up, I go up without this sort of limitations or the stress of worrying about exactly what's written phonetically in my pad and going, oh, I've got to go back to that. I have to sort of, mm. you know. It took me a long time to realise that. So, um, surely Hogs, you know, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm saying that as someone who, and yeah, you know, when I'm writing scripts or whatever I'm writing, I just don't give myself too much of a hard time to... I realise that my brain is going to fry off into 15 or 16 different things or I'll get distracted easily. I find it hard to, you know, but what I do is usually I'll, uh, I'll make sure I, I sort of physically, I sort of, again, going back to that, I train, I, I, I mentally prepare. But if, if my head's not with it that day, then I go, right, or I'll do some research or do something else that's equally as important than just sitting in front of your computer and writing. And then when that time feels right, which always comes around, I'll be able to do that. Um 
But I'm going to give it over to Rom because, yeah, this guy is a bastion of, of, of this advice. Oh, thank you so much, Tom. What wonderful, wonderful words. Uh, well, look, the truth is I told Tom to do that, but it doesn't isn't definitely the way to do it. I mean, I, I, I've, I've talked about writing with loads of comics and everybody's got a, a different way of doing it. But I tend to, if you're struggling to write things down word for word, it just depends what type of comic you are. Like, I don't know how many comedians you know, mate, but Milton Jones, for example, or Gary Delaney, these sort of one-liner comics, I would imagine they have to sit down and write this stuff forensically because it's so it's so precise, their jokes. So they have to sort of figure out the exact mechanics of it. Whereas somebody like Tom or somebody like myself, you don't, you're not really that... It's not that you're not worried about... The, you're just trying to... You sort of know where the funny is. We're trying to find where the funny is by talking it out on stage. So I, I often go, go on stage with, like, if I'm doing new material, I'll often go on stage with, like, five words written down or, or ten words written down of things I want to talk about and try and find it on stage. But I'm going to be honest with you, it's a bit of a high wire act because if that goes wrong, you just basically die on your ass for quite a while. But it's it's part of the development process for me. But equally, there are some people I know who sit at a laptop and type it all out and, and, and say it word for word. And that works equally as well. So you've got to find your own thing, man. But if, if sitting down at your laptop is a problem, then um, I would probably think about doing another method. One of the other things that I've done that is I've actually got <laughs> got a bike and a stand. And, uh, you know, on occasion, I have been known to do stand up to a wall. I've only done that a couple of times. What, really? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, I've only been able to overcome the self-consciousness of it twice. But I would say it's hugely useful. Really? Mm, yeah. Why is this? I, I mean, you know, that. does does Lisa walk past and I can see her literally sort of dry up in front of me at the thought of ever touching me again? Yeah, that does happen. Does Lisa ever give you advice or, or like ideas of jokes? No. No. Like Lisa's very... Lisa's a funny person, as you know. Yeah. yeah. But... She just doesn't. Um, I just don't think people close to you can give you advice on your stuff because they just know you too. Like, yeah. I just think it's a bit different. Like, whenever I do a bit to Lisa, she'll just go. She honestly, I've told you this. She'll go to me. Oh, I'm sure the people who like you would like that. And you go, okay. Well, I'm not coming to you for fucking feedback ever again in my life. Uh, right, Tom. Do you want to do one more? Yeah, the Hawkmaster. Let me just say, do you, brother? Go out there and smash it. You've got yeah. this. Take it to the max. Oh, speaking of take it to the max, Tom, yeah. a bit embarrassing. So the, the new episodes of Rob and Ron Versus dropped yeah. this week yeah. or last week. And uh, thank you very much for all the feedback. Very been very nice. I apparently say take it to the max in one of those episodes. Oh, I don't really? remember saying it. Yeah. So it is a catchphrase now. I think it might be. Somebody messaged me going, just noticed to take it to the max from Romesh there on Rob and Ron Versus. Oh, mate. Mm. So there you go. Yeah, you know... Um... I think that your T-shirt, you could have like a take it to the max, just like there, like as a sort of like circular take, thing. Take it. If, if Nike want to want me to do a take it to the Air Max sort of collab, wow. let me know, guys. Shout out Adidas. They're doing some sweet, sweet things at the moment. What are they doing that's so sweet? They got you to stand next to the Euro trophy, didn't they? They sent me some nice little golf bits, boy. What? Yeah, 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 man. Some sweet little things. Why have I not, What the fuck? I fucking introduced you to Adidas. 
it's, a, it's got some nice bits for it. They don't know you play golf, do they? You need to put a video up of you playing golf. Oh, do you yeah. know what? Fuck that. Do you know what? I'm not putting a fucking video up of me playing golf. How are you getting on with your golf? I've got a lesson later on today. Oh, wow. So worse, you had a lesson the other day as well. How far should I be able to hit the ball with uh, like a seven? Well, how far? Yeah, but, but I mean, anywhere around 100 yards is good, I reckon. Yeah. I mean, basically, oh. if, if I have 100, if I hit anything 100 yards with any club, I, I need to have a celebration because it's so wildly inconsistent. Yeah, and then the, other, yeah. the other day I had a lesson and they did a video. I can't, it's actually embarrassing what my body looks like swinging a golf club. It's humiliating, I would say. I saw the video you sent. You looked good. It looked a nice, it was a nice swing. You uh, hit there it was, well. Yeah, but, but there was one that was like front on. That one I sent you was from behind. That like, yeah. There's one that's front on. I, I, honestly, mate, awful. I don't look like a golfer yet by any stretch. Some of the golfers I've seen, we both. Do you look know like what? Golfers. Do you know what I think would help me look like a golfer? Some what? fucking Adidas gear. <laughs> Mate, it's so creepy and nice. Oh, shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Don't want to hear it. So, last email. Uh, hello, Wolf Allen Swan. If you could keep me anonymous, that'd be great. I haven't given myself an animal ma- name yet, but my what missus would probably call me Snake. Jeez. Oh God, this doesn't bode well. Um, I've been with my girlfriend now for over five years. We're in a good, happy relationship. I'm 29. So it's not a surprise that there have been previous girlfriends before her. This is where the issue comes in. I work in an office and I've been there for 11 years now and I love my job, but an ex of mine has recently just started there and I see her on a daily basis. We were together for the best part of two years and when we split up, we finished on good terms. So it's no surprise that we still get along. I have no interest in taking it any further, but the problem is that I'm yet to tell my current girlfriend that she started there. I'm really looking for advice as what's best to do. Tell her straight and potentially get grief. Is this a situation she would not want? Keep it quiet and hope it never comes up. Or do I make a joke about it all and hope that she doesn't really care? Any advice would be great. Love the pod. I'm a fan of both of your work. Anonymous G, uh, you're no snake, my friend. You're no snake. And don't give yourself that hindrance nor that hiding. Um, You seem like a good guy. Um, And I'm going to call you the sparrow. Um... Listen, uh, <laughs> I take that as a compliment if you can. <laughs> I would say, my brother, that um, I think uh, I think that uh, I think option three on that is the best way of dealing with it. I think honesty and, and saying what's going on is the best the best way out of this. Saying just telling her, and just just saying that you know this is a situation. I mean, I don't know whether your missus now knows your ex or like your old friends or something, uh, but um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, th- I think and. Um, I think that's the way to go with it. I think making a little bit of a joke about it. Um, I'd say that, if, if, especially if there's no sort of feelings on either side, um, that is by far the, the best thing that you can do. So uh, honesty prevails, my friend. Do it over a couple of glasses of Chardonnay um, and some uh, Sensations Nuts, which are amazing. Shout out Sensations Nuts. Okay, look forward to hearing about how you got a box of those sent to you. <laughs> um, uh, Sparrow. Just listening to your your email here, there's one of two things going on here. My biggest problem with this is that you haven't told your girlfriend yet. And this could be for one of two reasons. One, your girlfriend's incredibly jealous uh, and and would get unreasonably upset about this, in which case that's an issue that you need to deal with. Or secondly, the other potential problem uh, reason is that there is something going on, that you feel something towards this ex of yours, and that's the reason that you feel too guilty to, or too worried about telling your girlfriend about it. 
you know, it, I say unreasonably upset about it. By the way, she it might be reasonable. You might there might be a reason. There might be a track record that means that she, this would make her upset. Like you know, we don't know if you've uh, cheated in the past or whatever. I, I'm I'm not sure. So, and I don't want to make any assumptions. Either way, you need to deal with it. If if it's a pro, look, the truth is Tom's right. Honesty is the best policy. You should have already told her. Really, do you know what I mean? As soon as it as soon as it happened, you should have probably said something. So there is a reason you haven't. And you've got to examine that. Is that because you feel guilty because you do have feelings towards this girl or because um, you're maybe part of you is hoping that something might happen or you want to be able to go out with her without your, without your girlfriend getting upset or whatever? You need to explore this and figure it out. Or is it because your girlfriend will just lose her shit? The fact that you haven't told her yet suggests a problem. I would tell her as soon as you possibly can. I don't even know if you need to make a joke about it. You just you just go, oh my god, so weird one. Um, awkward, I, I'd say. You go awkward. Yeah, awkward weird. one. Awkward one. Blah blah blah. You know, blah you know, blah. Eloise that I used to years. go out with. Yeah, thanks for giving me a name there. Yeah, Eloise that I was, or it could be Rana, or it could be, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, Susan. Yeah, Shaniqua. Uh, yeah, could be Shaniqua. Laura. Um, yeah. Sonita. Anyway, Spicy. yeah, started working at uh, started working with me, and just see what she does. I don't think it's a big deal at all. Do you know what I mean? So what we're saying is, you just say, "Look, Helen, awkward one, really awkward. It's stupid, really fucking silly." But remember, uh, Eloise that I used to go out with, she's now working at my work. It's fucking weird, but actually, yeah, she's she's all right. Yeah, and and if by coincidence the two women involved are called Helen and Eloise, we apologise profusely. Um, so listen. <laughs> Sparrow, I hope that helps. Uh, I really, really do. Good luck uh, with all of your endeavours. Tom, it's been quite, I would describe this one as quite a subdued one. We're quite tired, a little bit down from the events of the weekend. I think it's been a rollercoaster, this one. There's been real, there's been moments of sort of jest and, and laughter, and then there's been moments of sort of like solace. And uh yeah. Sometimes, yeah, like I say, man, I, I've enjoyed this ride with you. May I also say your cream jumper looks luscious. You look nice and cream. Thanks very much. I appreciate that. Um, just as we're about to, to, to dive headlong into uh, the oasis that is uh, Tom's finishing monologue, uh, we've had a number of emails from people who've been assumed that you write these before we do the podcast, <laughs> no, which I is don't. incredible. Uh, not incredible. It's like... They're so, I guess they're so good that people just assume that you've pre-prepped them. But can I just assure you uh, that Tom's uh, closing monologues are very much in keeping with the rest of the podcast in, t- in that there is no pre-thought, there is no planning, there's no preparation. I would go as far as to say there is no work, really, yeah, that goes I, I into like just, just say that anything involved in this podcast. That is the biggest accolade that you could pay me or Ramesh, is the fact that you think that I would sit down and try and labour over um, a minute-long monologue. That I, if I'm honest, and throwing back to a, a learned friend from earlier, uh, uh, you know, I wouldn't be able to do that. So, it's with this, I say, when you get dressed in the morning, you focus so, so heavily on the big things. The big things that, you know, oh, what shirt am I going to wear? Uh, what t-shirt, what blouse, what jumper, you know, what jean, what skirt, you know, that's going to, that's going to be the thing that's sort of really, that's, that's the peacocking I want, or that's the, or that's the thing I feel comfortable in a beige, you know, a beige jumper with a brown pair of slacks, you know, you focus so, so heavily on, 
you know, constantly just thinking about, thinking about, so people watch. But sometimes you forget about one thing. You forget about the humble sock that you put upon your feet. So let me take you to a man or a woman one day who's putting on all their clothes and they feel really good, but they forget to wear socks. What do they end up with, you know, an hour into their commute or 45 minutes into the walk to work? They end up with blisters on the back of their heels because they've not thought about the smaller details. They've not thought about the smaller things. And I guess I'm not really talking about clothing, nor socks, nor jackets. I'm talking about life and I'm talking about people. It's easy to think about the big things. It's easy to constantly focus on those outlandish, big, big moments. The things that can grab your attention and you worry about or you, you stew about or you enjoy that little bit longer. And it's very easy also to forget about the smaller things, the smaller details. So when you go forward today and in life, think about the humble sock. Think about the smaller things and pay them the heed, nor the heel they deserve. Alas, with a shoe. Wow. Can I just ask a completely unrelated question? Is there a sock on the table in front of you? <laughs> oh god tom just showed uh showed me a pair of socks that were sat right in front of him that's what we started yeah um what i loved about that i think my favorite moment was when you said i'm not talking about clothing nor a jacket nor socks as if they aren't items of clothing <laughs> and that is why these things can't be written uh tom beautiful work my brother uh we're gonna we're gonna do a bonus set this week aren't we yeah thursday we're not we're we're not planning on we're not planning on getting smashed again are we no no. uh so um thank you so much for joining uh me the owl and he the the wolf wolf. and another one of our fabulous meandering journeys we hope we'll see you again uh what a can't bless you you. oh who's so within you yeah, and we're about to confirm um, a date for the live show. So we'll let you know as soon as that's all locked in. Take Follow care. Wolf Out Pod on Instagram for news. Yeah. Love you guys. Take care. Bye bye. Peace, peace, peace. If you have a problem, opinion, feedback, or anything at all, please email us at wolfowlpod at gmail.com. That's wolfalpod at gmail.com. Thank you.